Well, what a privilege it is to be with you here today and uh, to have the opportunity to speak on Mother's Day. Um, good morning, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Dane Sampson. Happy Mother's Day. Um, I'm really looking forward to getting into this. Uh, getting into this. It was a, a few months ago that Pastor Brian asked me if I would speak, and uh, I've had a lot of time to compose my thoughts, so I am very eager to share them with you today. Um, many people here actually helped me compose my thoughts for this morning's message, because many people here have shown to me great kindness and mercy. Even this morning, it was somewhere in the ballpark of 10 different individuals came up to me, tell me they were praying for me, telling they were praying for this service and uh, to encourage me and edify me and it's great to have cheerleaders and it's great to have brothers and sisters that are sharing in this message this morning through prayer because that that is a huge part of the message this morning um, so without further ado let's get into it and pray blessed art thou lord god king of the universe who has sanctified us by thy command and has commanded us to engross ourselves in the living out of your word. Please apply your truths to our heart, that we may learn to courageously live it. Amen. Our opening praise for the message this morning is Psalm 145, 8 and 9. I'm going to read it to you. If you would like to turn there, you feel free. But it says, Praise the Lord, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. The steadfast love phrase is going to be kind of the bullseye of today's message. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. Here in Psalm 145, 8 and 9, we catch a glimpse into the heart of God, the nature of his love for us as his sons and daughters. How appropriate this is for a Mother's Day service. The loving heart of God is steadfast, merciful, and kind. Such attributes are the hallmark of a good mother. I'm very fortunate today. I have my mother and, and dad with me today, which is their visitors. And we're very glad that they're here to support me in this message. But it's good to see them on Mother's Day as well. Uh, this thing called steadfast love mentioned is so important. It's a, pe a peculiar idea uh, there isn't a perfect one-word equivalent for this hyphenated word, steadfast love. Um, in situations like this, our Bibles will often get around this issue by creating other hyphenated words like steadfast love, loving kindness, merciful kindness. All three of these are examples used to illustrate one single thought and action. These virtuous words are not abstract emotions. They capture what I would like to describe as a word picture of the parental heart of God. In the sermon today, I intend to help paint this picture in our minds of what it looks like practically displayed in our lives, which is kind of funny because so many of you have already practically displayed this in my life to me personally that I've been able to witness so that really helps. Um, I'll be using these terms often interchangeably as we proceed, 
Since we are dealing with a foreign concept, it, it can get somewhat messy in how these overlapping terms interact. So understand that what we're learning today is about a dynamic, multifaceted character that in Hebrew is one word. We could say that this word is pregnant with meaning. Before we proceed into the Hebrew, I want to take a brief caveat to help set the framework we will be building on. In the character of this, I see the character of this one word, this one Hebrew word, articulated and practically described by Paul in Philippians 2. If you have your Bibles with you, I hope you do. Let's turn there and read from verses 1 down to 15. Philippians 2. I'll be reading today from the Hallelujah Scriptures translation. So if you notice any differences, that could be why. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, having the same love, one in being and of purpose, doing not through selfishness or self-conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each one should look out not only for his own interests, but also the interests of others. For let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of Elohim, in the form of God, I should say, did not regard equality with God a matter to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, and came to be in the likeness of men. And having been found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, death even of a cross. Yahweh, therefore, has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, Yeshua, every knee should bow of those in the heavens and those on the earth and those under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the esteem of God the Father, so that my beloved, that would be you, as you always obey, not only in my presence, but also now, much rather in my absence, work out your own deliverance, your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is working in you, both to desire and to work for what is well-pleasing. Do all without grumblings and disputings, in order that you be blameless and faultless, children of God, without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and corrupt generation, among whom you shine as lights into the world. Keep your fingers here. We will return to this chapter again. Here, an imprisoned Paul, who is waiting for his execution, is writing to the church in Philippi from prison in 62 A.D., and we're going to zero in on verses 2, 1 through 4, where it says, If then there is any encouragement in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, having the same love, one of being and of purpose doing not through selfishness or self-conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. 
This passage is so practical that I don't want us to miss a single detail of what is being communicated here. First, notice the comfort of love term, how that is connected to the steadfast, the steadfastness of God's love and mercy mentioned in Psalm 145. Notice the, the, the comparison, the juxtapositioning of love and selfishness and humility and self-conceit. Also, notice our purpose here is mentioned as being in Christ. Notice the phrase, having the same mind, same love, same being and purpose. That is in Christ. The phrase I'm going to zero in on right here uh, in, the, in Philippians is Greek. It's the Greek word simsukos. This is the only time this word is used in all of Scripture. So I feel like it's important that we zero in and make, take time to mention it. From the Greek, it is rendered here in the translation I'm using this morning as one of being. Your Bibles might say in one accord or one in spirit. I'm favoring a one of being translation because this word is two root words, sim and sukos. Sim means same. Sukos means soul. Same soul would be a very one-to-one -one translation. Um, one being is, is what I'll be using this morning because I believe that that communicates that same soul of Simsukos. We are to have a shared soul, a oneness of being. Almost like a marriage relationship where two become one flesh, there is a committed bond that is in Christ and through his indwelling spirit. This is far more serious to me than just being on the same team or wearing the same jersey. While this is true, it's much more serious a matter than that. This is a dedication in Christ that is at the soul level. Notice how this is all done in Christ and through his spirit. This is very important. It is not a work of the flesh, and it, it cannot be. The Greek phrase is, Echo ho auto agape, sim sukos heis fronio. Listen, I wasn't, this wasn't supposed to be easy this morning. <laughs> that is, having the same love, one of being and of purpose. I want this phrase to be painted on the walls of our hearts and foremost in our minds as we proceed. I want us to see the connection between having the same love, being and purpose is linked to this picture of steadfast love that all this is done in Christ as we walk in our purpose as image bearers of God. Though the language being used here in the letter to the Philippians is Greek, I think Paul here accurately sums up the theme of this one Hebrew word we are looking at today. Ultimately, we want to express the same heart of Christ, the same mindedness, and the same soul as the Savior. In order to do this, we must first have the indwelling spirit and take a moment to learn more about the character of God in practical action. The Hebrew word we will be focusing on is hesed. Uh, let's try saying it together. Hesed. Yes, with extra phlegm. It, it helps. This is the word that is often used for the action of mercy. Merciful kindness, loving kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. 
Mercy is an animating force that motivates other virtues. I can feel loving, but without mercy, I won't express it. I can feel a sense of goodwill, but without mercy, I won't extend myself towards others. Mercy and courage need to be harnessed together for all the other noble virtues to have their expression. Foreign languages, we're doing a lot of that today, can be hard, and Hebrew is especially so. However, if you were to learn one Hebrew word, this would be my pick. Because of its animating and motivating quality, this word hesed is quite possibly the most important single word in all scripture, if such a thing is even possible. I am sure we can all recall the command of Matthew 22:37, which says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And that word soul is the same as what we mentioned earlier, the sukos. This is the great and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Here I see an example of Jesus describing our whole being, our soul, in unity with the heart of God. This is the structure of how steadfast love and loving kindness works. In a practical and necessary way, its source is in him. And it comes from him, first animating us who believe, then it goes out to others through merciful action. The love flows down vertically and then out horizontally. What animates our kindness? Philippians 2.13 has the answer. Where it says, It is God who is working in you, both to desire and to work for well-pleasing, according to his good pleasure. It is because Christ first loved us that we can then go out and love others. It is because we have received mercy and favor that we do not deserve. In this way, we are to be animated by his love to show grace and mercy to others who also don't deserve it. By this, the love of God was made manifest in us that God sent his only son into the world in order that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice, a propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. 1 John 4, 9 to 11. Philippians 2, 5, going right back to Philippians 2, we see, for let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a matter to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. Why is understanding Hesed, God's mercy, so important. It is important because it informs us of how we interact in relationship with God and with others who also bear his image. We are called to bear the name, we are called to bear his name with the same love, one of being and of purpose. The world's kindness Compared to the hesed of Yahweh, the, world's, the world loves to change the meaning of words. Kindness is one of these words. When we talk about this hesed, this loving kindness, we are not speaking of the world's definition. 
The world's definition is powerless and arbitrary. It's a catchphrase. We are not talking about a sentimentality or a subjective, squishy feeling of generic goodwill. We are not talking about abstract emotions that can't be nailed down or applied to life. We are talking about action, practical wisdom for life. We are talking about bold and assertive kindness that seeks out opportunities to do what is righteous towards others as selfless servants who serve in humility without expecting reward, with the same love, one of being and of purpose, as the master. The love of Yahweh in this covenant relationship is called hesed. It is steadfast, loving, and kind, which is like saying God has a disposition and an attitude towards us that pursues us, seeks us, and says, I am stuck with you for better or worse. Sickness and health, thick and thin, we are in this together, we are family. Knowing this is crucially important because it tells us about the character of Almighty God. He loves us with a steadfast love that is kind and merciful. Another reason this is so important is first, we must understand who God is in his character to then know who we are as sinners and who we are called to be through sanctification as his image bearers and members of his family. We are to have the same love, one of being and of purpose. He has declared to you, O man, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? Micah 6, 8. This special type of kindness mentioned here is, you guessed it, Hesed. This is so different from the world's kindness. The kindness of the world is self-seeking, self-centered and proud. It's conditional. Such kindness is truly darkness and should not be confused with biblical kindness. Such as was displayed on the cross, looking at Philippians 2.3. Doing not through selfishness or self-conceit, but in humility, consider others better more significant than yourselves. In verse 8 of Philippians 2, Jesus, having been found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, death even of a cross. Where does this hesed come from? What is the source of this kindness? This is not something we can conjure up on our own. The simple answer is that God is the source. His character and heart, his soul attitude is shared by members of his family. And we take on, as we take on the name of his family, let's not take his family name in vain. Deuteronomy 5.11. Turning in our Bibles briefly to Genesis, we read in Genesis 24.10 to 20. We'll, spend, uh, we'll pay special attention to verses 12 and 14b. Genesis 24, 10 to 20. Focusing on verse 12 and 14b. We see the opening and closing of the servant's prayer, asking for kindness from the God of Abraham. In verse 12 he says, O Lord God of my master Abraham, 
Please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master, Abraham. Please, God, show hesed to my master, Abraham. Rebecca's extraordinary kindness immediately takes center stage. In response to this prayer, her joyful promptness and willingness to serve a stranger without expectation of reward was noble and courageous. But let's not miss that it was God who answered the prayer. And it is God that is the source of her kindness. She expresses the very heart of the master Abraham, as can be seen in Genesis 18. She has the same love, one of being and of purpose. She is a hospitable servant that is assertive in her kindness. Her virtuous character is also tied to the noble woman of Proverbs 31, which we read earlier today. We really can't have a Mother's Day service without reading Proverbs 31. It is important, brothers and sisters, that we are bold like Rebecca with our expressions of God's character. Jesus says in Mark 10, 44, whoever wants to be first among you shall be a servant of all. That word servant is doulos. It means to subject yourself as a slave for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Going back to Philippians 2, looking at verse 9, it says, Yahweh, therefore, has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. This is the principal character of our faith. The Son of Man who came to give, him, give of himself for us. Such believing loyalty must produce action. Because our belief in Christ as the perfect example should motivate our behavior. We should be motivated to express what Christ has shown us with the same love, one of being and of purpose. The fruits of the kingdom, good behavior, kindness and mercy and love serve to make the good news attractive and desirable to a world lost in darkness and a growing unkindness. Kindness expressed with a joyful and eager promptness like with Rebecca is a living testimonial of the kindness and character of God. He is, after all, the God of steadfast loving kindness. He is mercy embodied. He draws his people with cords of love in Hosea 11.4. He is kind even to the ungrateful in Luke 6.35. He uses his kindness to lead us to repentance in Romans 2.4. God is not slack, slow, or reluctant when it comes to pouring out his loving kindness eagerly. Just as Rebecca showed kindness and quickly lowered her jar to offer water, just as it is written in the book of Lamentations, not the place you would expect to find encouragement, but here we see a promise. This I call to mind. And therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. Does this sound familiar? Because it should. I'm sure Paul had this same thing in mind when writing Romans. Since in Romans 8:35 we read, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? See how the character of this hesed is both complex yet consistent throughout Scripture. As Christians, believers, followers of Christ, 
We often see ourselves as kind people. None of us, I dare say, would think of themselves as unkind. To even be accused of being so would be considered an insult. But here I am, prepared to challenge our view of kindness. I ask my own heart this question. Am I and are we quick to forgive sinners who sin against a perfect living God, but slow to forgive brothers and sisters who wound us? How easy it is to say a person is forgiven at the foot of the cross when we ourselves are not the ones who are wronged. We not only should forgive others, but we must forgive others as we have been forgiven. We must not grow hard and callous along our way. We must not allow our love for others to grow cold. Such would only serve to disgrace this great grace and mercy we have received. I do not need to elaborate on the troubles of our world. The unkindness of our politics, social media, public discourse, health care, popular culture, education, and the news. We are in an age of widespread unloving unkindness. We, brethren, have been rescued out of such, and we are to be equipped to wage spiritual battle against such. We who are bought with a steep price should find new freedom in the expression of the selfless nature of mercy in Hesed. This is our mission as we bear the name and the image of God's character into a desperate world, doing so with the same love, one of being and of purpose. What would happen to the societal issues of unfaithfulness, dehumanizing perversions, sexual objectification, racism, gender wars, abortion, suicide, and domestic abuse? What if such was confronted with the knowledge that saw others as fellow image bearers, treated them as we ourselves wish to be treated, as needing God's unmerited favor and mercy. This hesed. This hesed is applicable and it is practical. Can we as sinners honestly engage in such activities if we see the other person as a fellow imager and needing the hesed of the living God? How would that even work? This hesed is a powerful tool for overcoming sin in our world and in our personal lives. What would happen to our families and communities if we truly saw others as having divine purpose through the merciful hesed of God? He has shown us mercy. Such steadfast and movable kindness must have a life-changing effect. Hosea 6.6 6 says, for I desire steadfast love, mercy, and not sacrifice, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. We must understand that the value of the image of the living God to understand the purpose of God's hesed. We are created for his purpose, and that purpose is found in Christ. To live according to his will and to do what is pleasing with the same love, one of being, and of purpose. The master, as the perfect teacher, has gone so far as to even demonstrate this for us. Here I'd like to paraphrase a song I heard made by the group Beautiful Eulogy in their Instruments of Mercy album. The song is titled, Blessed Are the Merciful. Jesus healed the sick. Jesus fed the multitudes gave legs to the crippled, granted sight to the blind. Jesus touched the untouchable. He loves the unlovable, forgave the unforgivable. 
welcomed the undesirable, drawing sinners and tax collectors through hesed into the circle of his love. Because Jesus even now saves the otherwise unsavable. Why? Not because they deserved it. Not because of works done in righteousness. Not because they took the proper steps forward to elevate themselves to the place of the deserving poor. But because of his mercy. Because of his hesed. Seeing us in our misery and need, he doesn't just feel for us. He takes the necessary action to relieve our distress. He left the glory of heaven and the perfect fellowship of the Trinity, condescends to us, lives among us, suffers like us, and died for us. Have you experienced the mercy of God? We can't express it if we haven't experienced it. The evidence of God's mercy in your life is not determined by how much theology you know or the books you read, but by your active goodness to people in misery and in need. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Matthew 5, 7. God draws us with his mercy, grants us his mercy, that we may show others this mercy, that they likewise might be drawn into the mercy of God. This is the courageous action of hesed, and this is what I mean by today's sermon, which is titled, Animated by Kindness. This is what I mean by animated by kindness. In our expression of God's mercy and loving kindness, we, do we limit its influence? Do we withhold pouring it out to people who maybe don't have the capacity to reciprocate? Maybe they don't deserve it. Is our mercy conditional? Is our mercy conditional? Do we say, oh, I'll forgive them if they apologize. They wronged me. This is not mercy. Mercy is acting in love and not giving someone what they deserve. Maybe you have been wronged and deserve an apology. However, we are commanded to show this selfless mercy towards even our enemies. Instead of passive, aggressive displeasure, we are called to express the king's active, unmerited favor. As it says in the law, Exodus 23, 4 and 5, if you meet your enemy's ox or his donkey going astray, you shall bring it back to him. If you see the donkey of one who hates you lying under its burden, you shall refrain from leaving him with it. You shall rescue it with him. Notice how imperative this command is. Three times it says, you shall. This does not strike me as an option. This enemy is not required to apologize. This enemy is not told, if you say, sorry, I will help you. Be prepared to get into the mud, suffer the risk of rejection, and embrace the uncomfortable task at hand. Extend this mercy, that which is not deserved, towards others as you have freely received it. Do we treat our fellow imagers as if they are less and we are more? Do we shrink away from opportunities because they might be uncomfortable? Are we becoming narcissistic, lovers of self like the world? Understand this, that in last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderers without self-control, brutal, not having 
Not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. 2 Timothy 3, 1-5. Because lawlessness increases, the love of many will grow cold. Matthew 24, 12. The Master has instructed us that his self-sacrificing servant love is a unique quality of his disciples specifically. Those who have a changed heart and a renewed mind, who are followers of the way, have a different culture because we have the same love, one of being and of purpose as the Father. We who believe and follow him are his disciples. Our discipline is in obeying the one who leads us even unto death. Psalm 48, 14. John 13, 34 and 35 says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. What does this love, just as I have loved you, look like? It's merciful love. It's kindness. It's self-sacrifice. Christ is the example. In what way did Christ express his love for us? He used his life here as a living example. He demonstrated in the laying down of his life for us no higher expression of perfect, steadfast, loving kindness and mercy has ever occurred throughout all of time and space. He is the greatest and most heroic display of selfless love the world has ever known. This is why we joyously worship him. Philippians 2.10 And that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in the heavens and those on the earth and of those under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It is no mystery then why Paul writes to the congregation in Colossae, therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, put on compassion, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, and if one has complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has also forgiven you, so you must forgive. And above all, put on the love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Colossians 3, 12 and 13. The adventure is real, and so are the risks. So be strong and courageous. Deuteronomy 31, 6. I don't say this lightly. In case you get the wrong idea, this kindness is not safe. And neither is it weak. Kindness, at least the type we are speaking of, is more than just manners. It is bold, it is courageous, and it is often heroic. Maybe few have considered the courage needed to be this selflessly kind or what the adventure of your life would look like if you truly applied it in the same love, one of being and of purpose. I would like to take a moment to tell you about a soldier. I was in the Army as a combat medic, and during my time going through medic school, I learned about a lot of heroes who came before. Um, one of them was particularly unique, and he stood out to me. Many of you have probably heard of him before. It was 75 years ago 
that Army Corporal Desmond Doss in the Pacific War against Japan was working as a combat medic. His most memorialized moment was made into a popular war movie that maybe you have seen or heard of called Hacksaw Ridge. I have not seen the film myself, but I know his story well. Corporal Doss, during his most dramatic engagement, was successful in rescuing 75 wounded men, some of them enemy Japanese combatants. For the record, that is a lot of people. That is a lot of people to drag or to carry any distance, let alone to rescue them to safety over a cliff. Doss was a man of extraordinary character, and he's the only conscientious objector to receive the Congressional Medal of Honor saying, I feel that I have received the Congressional Medal of Honor because I kept the golden rule that we read in Matthew 7:12, which says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Doss expressed and demonstrated what I want us to discover for ourselves, that this loving hesed, this merciful kindness is rooted in action, and that action often involves risk. It is not a passive statement. This heroic military act by Doss is commendable. The lives saved must have surely been changed as a result of his actions that day. But I'm here using this story to point you to a greater hero who not only saves with selfless heroic action as was done with Lot in Genesis 19.19, but one who also leads us today into the same manner of living and loving others with courageous and merciful, selfless, loving kindness. Courageously seeking to express the same love one of being and of purpose. Such Christ-like kindness is powerful and potent. But when used by flawed humans like us in this fallen world, it is not a fix-all formula. It is not a magical cure-all. However, it does work to effectively disarm the weapons of the enemy. Knowing that just because you step out in kindness does not mean things will automatically go your way, the perfect expression of this kindness was in fact executed and nailed to a tree. So know the risks and be courageous. Kindness makes us vulnerable. An example of that is with King David in 1 Chronicles 19.2. Kindness often requires we go out of our way and that can make us uncomfortable. Another example from David's life is in 2 Samuel 9.1-13. Kindness is often unforgettable because kindness is unusual and unique. John 3.16. The Lord shows loving kindness or chesed to us individually and corporally. The Lord has commanded us to express hesed. Rebecca expressed God's hesed without even having such a command. Rather, it came from that same soul, that same heart. The world does not have or know the fruits of this hesed. Hesed is a distinguishing attribute of the spiritual seed of Abraham. This hesed is not manners or generic kindness. Hesed is not easy or safe, comfortable or common. It is light in a dark world, a spring of fresh water in the desert, a medic on a desolate battlefield, a king nailed to a tree to save that which was lost. God's hesed, it fills us, it pursues us. It is working around us all the time, and it is leading us to repentance because it has redeemed us. 
I want to challenge you brothers and sisters to follow the king's example and to bear his image as lights shining loving kindness into a dark and unkind world. Philippians 2:14. Do all without grumbling and disputings, in order that you be blameless and faultless, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and corrupt generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. So then, as we have occasion, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith, Galatians 6.10. This is the heart of our King and the fruit of his indwelling spirit. Because Christ has poured out on us such steadfast, loving kindness, we would be wrong to withhold it from others. Make our joy complete by being of the same mind, having the same love, one of being and of purpose, doing not through selfishness or self-conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. It is God who is working in you both to desire and to work for well-pleasing. This is evidence of our shared heart, a sameness of soul, one that is from the Father. This is our shared purpose. Each is bearers of his image and name. This is what animates the action of the Great Commission. All these examples used today are to illustrate one single thought. That is, the active heart of God working on your behalf and on behalf of those around you. This message is meant to capture in our minds the picture of what hesed looks like when applied in our lives. That our loves would be motivated by an act of hesed which is alive and life-saving and redemptive in its steadfast mercy and loving kindness. As we step forth and into the darkness of the world, which is outside, let us be animated by kindness. The kindness of Hesed, the kindness of God's mercy. Our closing praise. Let us praise the Lord, for he is righteous in all his ways, and he is kind, Hesed, in all his works. Psalm 145, 17. Let us pray. Blessed are you, my Lord God, King of the universe, who gave us the words of truth and placed life everlasting in our midst. Blessed are you, my merciful shepherd and savior, giver of the inspired word. Great peace of those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. Amen.